Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. It's a fly ball to center field. Lorenzo Cain going back at the wall. Freddie Freeman's left the yard and put the Braves on top in the bottom of the eighth with a solo shot to left center. They lead it five to four in game four of the NLDS. Where did that come from? Well, you had the reigning MVP against a guy that just does not make a mistake to a lefty and certainly not a home run. He's only given up a home run to a lefty Twice to one guy, and that guy is Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is a free agent to be, by the way. Braves obviously would love to retain him. Amazing talent, and that was an amazing game. The entire postseason has been great. Danny Mac show on a Wednesday with BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Tanner is with us. Our guest coming up around 1030 will be Robert Murray, baseball insider from Fansided. Does a great job covering the sport. So Josh uh, Hader had faced 231 batters this season, giving up only three home runs, none to lefties. Well, then all of a sudden, Until Freddie yesterday. Freeman changed it. That was a great, great at bat. And to hit it with power the other way, I mean, Josh Hader is just filthy. And all of a sudden, based on pitching, that's how Milwaukee got there, and boom, they're knocked out. Freddie Freeman is kind of the modern-day Paul Goldschmidt, and I don't mean in terms of, like, skill sets being identical or anything like that, but he's the guy that has just gone underrated as a perennial top-10 player in the National League every single year. And God, is it good to see him getting his due now? Because over the last few years, he's finally getting the credit that I think he's always kind of deserved. He's such a good player. He is such a good player. And they're going to bring him back. There's no way they let him get away. Similar to how I felt about Yachty and Wayno here in St. Louis. There's no way he ends up signing elsewhere. I just don't, I, I won't believe it until it actually happens. This Braves team deserves a lot of credit. For the front office, being Ooh, able to navigate through the season after you lose Ronald Acuna, you you end up having the situation off the field with Marcelo Zuna that you have to replace him. They basically remade their outfields on the fly, and they did so at the trade deadline, and now they're in the NLCS as a result. Full kudos to them. This is a really good team, and I don't think they're going to be able to get past whoever comes out of the other side of the DS in the National League. But, man, this is a hell of an accomplishment for the Braves. Well, you didn't mention one of the guys, too, that might be, I don't say it's bigger than Acuna, but it's Soroka. And Mike Soroka would have been their their number one going into postseason play if he's healthy and has a normal, typical season towards Achilles again. And uh, and he didn't pitch. But I, I think, though, what you're saying is exactly right. I mean, they could have folded folded up and said you know what we've lost these guys Acuna is a potential MVP boom he's out tears up his knee Uh, you got the Marcelo Zuna situation with domestic violence he's out Uh, you have Mike Soroka number one he goes down and they didn't and I I give him a ton of credit they went out and got Jock Peterson they went out and got Soler who by the way tested positive for COVID-19 and so He's out for it looks like at least seven to ten days um, and was not in their lineup, obviously, yesterday. That's a big one. I want to go back to Hader for just a moment. So Josh Hader against left-handed hitters this year, he faced 50 of them. 
gave up six hits, six, one extra base hit, an Eric Hosmer double all the way back in May. So he had not given up an extra base hit since May against the lefty with 23 strikeouts against the 50. So nearly struck out half of them. And the, the, the Brewers, based on their pitching, based on how good the starters were, the fact that if you could get to Devin Williams, who made a mistake and punched a, a wall or whatever the case was and broke his hand, he was out. But if you get to Hater, game was over. And the one concern I had about the Brewers, though, going into this postseason was their offense. And sure enough, the offense started out 0 for 20 with runners in scoring position. Third longest stretch to open a postseason series without a hit with a runner in scoring position. And they were only able to score six runs in the series. And I I think it was kind of a microcosm of the season, but ending the year was a strikeout of Christian Yelich. And I bring that up, BK, because I always like to try to tie some of this stuff back into the Cardinals. Next year, his, his... contract really kicks in at a high amount they're a small market team they've got a bunch of arbitration guys coming up josh hater and is one of them you think about paying christian yelich who is diminished right now and i think he's diminished because of the physical ailments maybe that he's dealing with it looked like a sore back He, he talked about that but i mean even he's not moving well even in the outfield i mean the cardinals were going to run on him every chance that they got in the games head to head they're good defensively, don't get me wrong, but Kane gets older next year. Yelich, what does he come back as? You do have Colton Long, um, Avisel Garcia, but it's just maybe not enough, and they could be hamstrung with that contract of Christian Yelich. Yeah, they don't look to me like a team that is one that will perennially be contending with this current roster construction. Now, they could they could make some shrewd signing this offseason. And their guy and is really good. I mean, David Stearns is excellent. He's one of the best in all of baseball. So I'm not counting them out by any stretch. But the goal for the Cardinals needs to be going into next year, they're considered to be the clear-cut favorite in the NL Central because it is attainable. The, the Brewers looked like the best team in the division all year long for the most part this year. I leave the season and I look at what happened to them at the end of the year, Dan. It looked like they basically ran out of gas. I saw Tom uh, Howdercourt, uh, who covers the the Brewers up in Milwaukee, said on September 12th, they were 34 games over 500, 14 games on top of the NL Central. They lost 15 of their final 22 games, including the final three in the NLDS. They just weren't the same team. Not my words. Those are Tom's words. But he's right. It wasn't the same team down the stretch. And now you're going to potentially be losing pieces off of that team. I don't know what the future holds for Josh Hader. I would frankly be a little surprised if he's still in Milwaukee next year. Well, here's the thing. I think what you look at is you say, okay, Ashby goes in our rotation. The lefty, one of their top prospects, probably the best pitching prospect. We saw him pitch in that series. They They have done, whether it was with Peralta, Burns, others, they start them in the bullpen, graduate to the rotation. That's how they develop. Now, my question would be, and this is going back to your point, where you at with Devin Williams? Can he be a closer? And what's the haul I can get for Josh Hader? Is he more valuable? Let's pay him what the ARB number would be. About 10. Yeah. And is, is that worth it? What does he mean? Because they can quantify a lot of this stuff and mm-hmm. say, okay, he's he's worth X amount of wins projected and then look back at the season and say he was worth this amount of of wins if we get rid of him can we have others that step up can Devin Williams be that closer and if not what's the haul I could get for Josh Hader if you're a big market team and you need help in the back end that's the guy 
I mean, he's at times unhittable. My concern would be if I was a buyer, they have used him so much. When's when's the break? Not, not to say he's going to break down, but when's some of the all of them do the, typically the cracks in the armor, so to speak. And maybe they're thinking that too. Milwaukee is saying, "Hey, we have maximized." him as much as we could and it's time to move on i could see them saying that too and you can justify that but that's what i would be asking that question right now and the reason why all of this becomes a conversation dan is because this year their payroll was about 130 million dollars without adding in any of the arbitration eligible players they're already at 120 for next year because that contract extension for christian yelich kicks in and that is a massive change from his 14 million dollar salary right now to $26 million next year. You add in some of these arbitration eligible players, they're going to be over what their budget was this year. Are they willing to do that? Typically, the answer for that team has been no, and they'll find a way to get back to the number that they want to be at. So I I think there's going to have to be some cuts. I don't know if it's going to be Hater. I don't know if it's going to be somebody else, but there's going to be some on the margins changes for this team, and it's going to be harder for them to be able to go out there and find the next Lorenzo Cain, the next Jackie Bradley Jr., the next Colton Wong. Those guys are really helpful, and they're really good players that can come in at 10 to 15 million dollars those guys are what did what did jackie bradley jr make this year do you have it in front of you uh six and a half this year he's got a nine and a half million dollar player option next year player option player option wow yeah so he's gonna be awful he was not good for them and that's 10 million dollars on the books for them next year that they can't get rid of those are the types of players that they've typically gone after and it's gonna be harder to add more of those guys to the mix those complimentary pieces it's gonna be tough dan i don't know that this team's gonna be at the same level next year as it was this year in fact I would predict that they won't be. They they look more like an 85 win type of a team. 6-3-6. Six, six, uh, and I brought this up a bunch during uh, the series against the Braves and then towards the stretch run. 6-3-6 six, six says Austin Riley, the unsung hero for the Braves, really took a step forward. You've been clamoring for him as an MVP candidate for three months now. Yeah, and that was big. By the way, baseball is such a funny game. Adam Duvall, you know, they they let him go. He signs with Miami. Then Miami trades him back to the Braves, and he winds up being a factor for them. That was one of the keys, too, for their season. They went out and got bat. They just loaded up on bats. I mean, it's a very good lineup. And uh, that's another guy to look at that they said. But it is funny. I mean, you, you had him. And he said goodbye to him. He led the league in RBI this year. And he signs with Miami and you go, wait a minute, we like that guy. And Miami says, okay, well, if you want him, pony up. Okay, we'll take him back. (laughs) And he's by, I think he's got an option for next year that they'll, they'll pick up. I'm sure with the kind of year that, uh, that he just had. So something to think about going forward. Another series to talk about the Astros beat the White Sox 10 to one yesterday. Uh, Tony La Russa and the White Sox go home. The Astros came through on the road. Oh, two. Correa to left field. That will get down for a base hit. Altuve and Bregman will score, and the Astros take the lead. Correa with a two-run double in the third. Bregman sends one to the gap in left center field, and that's going to get down and roll all the way to the wall. Two runs will score. It was Correa earlier. It is Bregman here, and the Astros have a 5-1 to one lead. Altuve hammers one to left. That might be the exclamation point of the series. First home run of the set for Altuve. That one felt a little deeper. And they took the crowd out of it. I think that was a key, too. That place can go nuts when you're uh, on the south side of Chicago. We've been there before with the Cardinals, and the crowd is into it. They took them out early, and that was the game. That was it. 
How do you think this impacts the the legacy for the Astros? Because I've been thinking about this a lot since they clinched last night. It's the fifth straight ALCS. Which is amazing. For the Astros. It's only been done three times in baseball history. Five straight uh, uh, CS appearances. Well, let me say this real quickly. The thing I thought about, and I'm with you, is that Jeff Luno really, really got some good talent. Yeah. And, and now they... They had awful years. They were picking first. They even missed on a first-round pick, on a number one overall pick. They didn't sign him, right? Right, Brady Aiken. <laughs> and so, I, you know, you're going to have some misses. Don't get me wrong. But if you're picking one through five, you cannot miss. Those top five picks, you can't miss. But to the greater point, they acquired a lot of good talent. And uh, and that's, you know, maybe we shouldn't sleep on the Houston Astros. I wonder if this solidifies i'm going in a different direction then we'll go back to what you're talking about yeah. i do wonder if this solidifies the hall of fame resume of dusty baker especially if they win the alcs now i think he's a hall of famer he's taken five different teams into the postseason and was a hell of a player so that to me would get him in but if obviously if they win he's going to go in but if he goes to the world series hmm, i gotta think that he gets into the hall of fame now is there cheating going on right now with Houston? I would like to think that there's not. I can't. Uh, listen, I fool me once. Shame on me. Yeah. You know, but this is just a really good team. It, it's really hard to imagine. That's what's taking place here. They're just they're beating people and, and they're better. Like they're, they're just a really good team, man. And yep. they've got a great lineup. And I know that there was cheating like that has essentially been proven at this point. Right. We can we can go oh, ahead. Yeah. And we don't have to say allegedly like that. That happened. Um I think when you do it five straight times, man, it's hard for me to say that all of the success was because of the cheating. Did it help them? Probably. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have been doing it. But the margin of them being helped by that cheating apparently wasn't quite as large as I would have expected at the time, given the fact that they've done it five years in a row, even after all of that stuff came out. So I, I got to give them the credit that they deserve. I know nobody likes them. I don't much like them either. But, man, is that a good baseball team. And I would say this. Do you really like Boston? I mean, Boston was involved in, (laughs) you know, a lot of different things, too. And all of a sudden you look up and they're the two teams left in the American League. So if I'm Rob Manfred, am I saying, well, that's behind us and these guys did it all, you know, fair and square? Or am I saying, man, there's going to be a lot of fans that don't like this. Houston and Boston, where the Boston manager, who's really good, and Alex Cora, was involved in some of this stuff and comes back and takes his team to the ALCS. Is that a good thing? Carlos Beltran's thinking right now. He's like, I'm the only one that has to be on the sidelines here. I totally agree. AJ Hinch is, he's going to have a hell of a team next year with the the Tigers. And I think they're going to be aggressive. I bet they go out and get Carlos Correa and they've got young prospects that are some of the best in the game coming. And they played well beyond what they were supposed to do this year. And here, this guy's going to have some success probably. And my guy Alex Cora is having success, and yet I was the Mets manager and I got fired. Yeah, and I'm still on the outside looking in. All the players still playing. Yeah. They're in the they're in the ALCS. All the managers and coaching staff they're still in it. The Cardinals hitting coach was in the Astros organization at the time. I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just saying he's currently yeah. still employed. Um, and then there's Carlos Beltran, who I understand he was apparently the ringleader. Leader. He was one of the guys that like constructed the whole plan i get it he's maybe more culpable than some others however if we're going to sit here and allow everybody else to continue on with their life and continue on playing the game of baseball 
I feel like Carlos Beltran, it's time for him to be able to come back into the sport as well. Dodgers, Giants, 7-2. The Dodgers beat the Giants, and uh, the Dodgers do that at home, and they force a game five. Traffic all game. That ball's driven into right field. Bryant turns and runs. Mookie Betts! Two-run blast! 4 nothing Dodgers! That ball's hit well. Center field. Back is Slater. Out of room! Two-run home run! Will Smith, 7-2 Dodgers! It was interesting, Gabe Kapler, how he managed that game. And it shouldn't be a, a, a surprise, but you show any type of uh, going in the wrong direction, he gets you out. And I mean, it's he doesn't waste any time. Boom, boom, boom. Guys are in and out. And that's how he managed in game four to try to eliminate the Dodgers. And now we'll have a great game five, I would imagine. Urias and Logan Webb in San Francisco, two of the best teams in the game and in san francisco two heated rivals they hate each other it's gonna be a it's, it's just gonna be wild i can't wait if you're a giants fan i'm sorry guys this is on me i i have to take the blame for this one True. i finally True. jumped on board on the bandwagon yesterday i said you know what the giants are better than i thought they won 107 well, they games yeah but because i jumped on the bandwagon they lost last night so that's on me i will take that i will wear it i will own it that's my fault my bad Man, the Dodgers are so damn good. Yeah. That lineup, I mean, you you look through it up top to bottom, and they were saying on the broadcast last night, you know, the, the entire plan for the Giants pitching was we're going to pivot everything around Corey Seager. Well, that's great in theory. Unfortunately, you've also got Ricky yeah. Betts, and you've got Trey Turner, and you've got Will Smith, and Justin Turner. It's, it's relentless from top to bottom. There's just never a moment where you can breathe as a manager or as a pitcher. Cool moment with Albert Pujols. Did you see that? Mm. Came in and got a standing ovation from the folks at Dodger Stadium. And uh, I thought that was very cool. So last night, good ball game. And now we have a game five winner take all. Urias and Logan Webb. Uh, game Are you liking five. that one? Talk about this more tomorrow, I would imagine. But I shouldn't bet against the Giants, but I love... I love Urias. I, I just I think he can neutralize any lineup. I, I, there's a reason why he's one of the best pitchers in the game, and because of the momentum coming out of Game Four. I know momentum is next day starter. They got a good one. They got a good and and Logan Webb though has has been really good, especially down the stretch. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Dodgers though. I think I am. It's just it's so hard for me to bet against the Dodgers. It just really is. I'm with you, which means go Giants. That's, yeah. the, that's the team to bet on. I would take the Dodgers if I was personally investing, uh, which means for anybody in our audience, check out FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook. That's a nice. place where you can find it. And go ahead and put all of your money on the Giants. That's who you're going with. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Dodgers. I would recommend betting on the Giants as a result. All right. It was an interesting uh, article yesterday, MLB trade rumors, their projected arbitration figures for the Cardinals. We'll get into that coming up. And then we'll also uh, have a visit with Robert Murray, baseball insider from Fansided. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. The uh, MLB trade rumors posted their projected arbitration figures for the Cardinals. I'll hit you with this, BK, and see what you think. Flaherty, 5-1. Bader goes to 3-7. O'Neal, 3-5. Reyes, 3-3. Gallegos, 2-8. Hudson, 1-7. Hicks, a million. Justin Miller, uh, Miller, 900,000. That's a total of about 22 million. 
and I'm I'm looking at these salaries, projected uh, arbitration salaries. These are key guys that you don't have to pay a lot of money to in, in baseball terms. I mean, if Jack Flaherty is healthy and makes 30 starts, making 5.1 million, pretty good. Starting center fielder at 3-7, starting left fielder 3-5. Alex Reyes could be a starter at 3-3. Gallegos could be your closer at 2-8. Hudson could be a frontline starter under 2. Hicks at a million dollars in whatever role he has. Wow, that's not bad. Now, at some point, you're going to have to pay the piper. Don't get me wrong. But what it does allow you to do, if you add the expected salaries for the pre-R players, $25 million owed, so the current estimates for players in the payroll is right around 140, and the Cardinals have been roughly around 175, 180. They're going to have some wiggle room here to do some some damage in what they want to do. So, do you want to sign that big free agent at short? Maybe. Do you want to invest it into a bunch of pitching? I would prefer that. I also want to see a shortstop. I also want to see Cal Schwarber. But whatever. Um, those are things that you have to think about. And it does give them some wiggle room here with Carpenter coming off the books. Carlos Martinez off the books. Andrew Miller is off the books. I mean, there's a lot of guys that uh, were making big money that are, are going to be uh, out of next year's projected salary. These numbers that you're talking about right now are why we said yesterday this is as wide open an offseason yeah. as I can remember for the Cardinals. Uh, they, they have a lot of options. And when you add in some of the prospects that are on the cusp of being able to make it to the big leagues, that just expands the options that much more. It also, when we're talking about, hey, do you want to go out there and get a shortstop? Do you want to get a DH? Do you want to get another starter? That may, makes it less necessary for the Cardinals in 2022 to make sure those guys are prepared. I heard some quotes from Mike Schilt yesterday, Dan, talking about Nolan Gorman. He did not seem overly excited about the idea of Nolan Gorman as a designated hitter next year, which is fair. That's fine. But it does make you kind of wonder, OK, if it's not going to be Gorman, you really don't have one on the roster right now, which means they need to sign one, whether that be Schwarber. I love that name that you brought up. Lefty bat, a lot of power. He makes a lot of sense for them. There's a lot of other guys, though, out there as well that you could potentially have there. So this team has 30, maybe 40 million dollars to spend when you add in some of the potential trades that they could make as well. Maybe it even begins to be a little bit higher than that. They've got the money to be able to go out there and make some moves that are necessary, and the stakes are really high. This is as intriguing of an offseason as I can remember for the Cardinals in close to a decade. Jim Bowden, and uh, he's an interesting character. He's a guy now that's in the media side, but he was a longtime general manager with the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington Nationals, and what does he think? Maybe spend on some stars. Over the years, there's been a lot of bad contracts. That's not how it works to win championships. You've got to... Spend the money on the big, important players, the starting rotation and the bats in the middle, and then you can, I mean, all you got to do is look at Tampa Bay and San Francisco and Oakland. You can win with average players around the diamond. You, you can win with average and above average players as long as you have the stars that can carry you. Now, you are invested into Arenado. You've got Goldschmidt. Kylie McDaniel, ESPN, was on BK and Ferrario yesterday talking about can you have three guys that are making, let's say, 20, 25, or 25 million plus? I mean, you guys maybe can speak to this, the history of this more than I can, but given what they're paying Goldschmidt and Arenado, do you think there's room for a third guy making that much money? Because there's an argument right now with the, with the Yankees paying all the money to Stanton and then all the money to Cole 
And then they're going to have to decide, do they want to go after one of these big shortstops or do they want to sign Judge to an extension or do they get rid of Glaber Torres when he's a free agent in a couple of years? Like they kind of have to pick who the third one's going to be. Maybe they don't have a third one making big money. I don't know if any team can really afford to go, you know, 25 million plus on three players. So I just assume the answer is no, but it's not that it's not possible. So there's three teams with at least three players on the books making an average of $25 million a year. The Dodgers, Mets, Astros. Astros will be off that list next year. Grinky and Verlander go. Mets, DeGrom, Lindor, Cano. Wow, Robbie Cano still. Wow. $24 million for the next two years. Crazy. Dodgers payroll was $280 million uh, this season. Now, on paper, can you do that? Sure, uh, if you're the Cardinals. Here's the thing, though. If you're looking at these guys being cornerstones of your franchise, Flaherty, Bader, O'Neal, Reyes, Gallegos, Hudson, at least some of those guys, certainly, you're going to have to pay them at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Tyler O'Neill has another season like he just did, he's going to make big money. And he's young. He's 26 years old. That's why I would assign him now, frankly. Yeah, and, and, and so, you know, yeah, next year, could I have three guys making $25 million plus? Sure. But when you're making $25 million plus, you're also talking about guys that have six to eight-year deal, deals, and some of them go up to 10, if not more. And that's where it's easy to say, go out and get that guy. Yep. But then you say, well, how are we going to pay Flaherty? I don't know. How about O'Neal? Not so sure. What about Dakota Hudson? We like, Well, yeah, I like him too. Can we afford him? That's the key. I mean, you got to think about the now, but you're also looking in the future, especially with the guys that aren't making a ton of money this year. Yeah, it's an interesting spot for the Cardinals because can they do this? The answer is yes, they they could conceivably, but you've still got three years left on that Paul Goldschmidt deal. If it was two, I think it becomes a lot more tenable sure. for, the, for the team to do that because now you're talking about his deal coming off right around the time when Jack Flaherty's potential new extension starts to kick in if they decide to go that route. I think the answer to this question really is, Dan, you got to decide kind of right now what the future is for Jack Flaherty. If he is what we all believe him to be, he's going to get a ton of money whenever he's done with his current deal and he goes through the next two years of arbitration. If the Cardinals want to keep him, they're going to have to pony up for 20 plus million dollars per year for Jack Flaherty. You probably don't want to sign that shortstop that we've been talking about and then also add on Jack Flaherty's contracts to the current existing deals that you already have on the books. If you're okay, though, with letting Jack Flaherty walk two years from now or trading him in his final year of his deal, however you want to do that, then, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for them to go out there and get that next big bat, even if it does cost them big money, because now you've already planned for ahead on what that looks like. You've kind of got to make that decision now as opposed to two, three years from now. And I'm sure they're talking about it right now at the meetings that they have. And and Mo typically and Gersh, there's an extension that comes in spring training. They work on it. They get the framework done in the offseason. And then you hear about Alan Craig. And then you hear about Matt Carpenter and spring training. And then always there's a press Carlos conference for young. Yeah. Uh, Colton Wong. I mean, those guys, Scotty. it happens. Yeah. So that wouldn't shock me one bit. If you see that going into uh, spring training, plus at that point, you're hoping CBA in place and you got a better idea of what you can spend and what you can't. Back to more of the Danny Mac show with BK on one Oh one ESPN.
Danny Mac show with BK on a Wednesday here on 101 ESPN. Again, the Blues will drop the puck on their season opener this weekend. We'll have it for you here on your home of the Blues 101 ESPN. We're talking baseball in the 10 o'clock hour, as we always do. Kind enough to join us is Robert Murray, baseball insider from Fansided. And uh, Robert, thanks uh, so much for hopping on. We appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? Doing great. Uh, you know, we were just talking about the the potential raises for some players in St. Louis, arbitration, and then, you know, we're thinking, okay, well, maybe you can get this guy. Maybe you can get that guy. And hmm. this is uh, how much, you know, wiggle room you may have with uh, your your payroll. And, again, we don't know what it's going to look like once the CBA is, is out. But uh, the bigger question would be, how aggressive do you think the Cardinals will be in this offseason and the, the people that you talk to and they're going to have some wiggle room with their roster and, and payroll. So how aggressive do you think they may be? Yeah, I think they'll end up being pretty aggressive just because this is most likely Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright's last season. And they'll want to go out with a bang and give them as much of a shot at winning a world series as they can. Uh, and they have clear spots in the roster that they can upgrade. Starting pitching is one, but I think the one that they'll really focus on is the middle of the infield that short, shortstop or second base so that most likely being a shortstop. Um, and I think the ideal candidate for them is Trevor Story. They had interest during the season, and I would expect that to be even stronger in the offseason here. Robert, when you look at the Cardinals and the way that they're constructed, we talked a little bit about this in the last segment. They have two high-priced players already, and Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, both of whom are making more than $26 million per season. The only other teams across baseball that are expected to carry three players that are $25-plus million next year are the Dodgers and the Mets. And obviously that could change depending on what uh, teams sign in the offseason. But does it make sense to you for the Cardinals to have three of those high-priced players on multi-year deals? Yeah, it's it's a complicated answer to that, but I, I can understand why they're they're able to do it and like why they would be open to it in the offseason. Besides those guys, they don't really have high-priced players signed beyond 2022. Um, and it gives them flexibility, and maybe they can structure a contract where it's backloaded in, in 2022. It's it's front loaded. Um, so I, I think the I think they definitely had the flexibility to do that there. Um, but having three of those high priced guys under contract, say through 2025 or 2026, obviously is is going to handicap them. But um, I, I wouldn't rule anything out with the Cardinals this this off season for sure. Where do you think they need to look if you're running this team? Uh, and let's just say that the DH is in play. What direction do you think the Cardinals go? Yeah, even with the DH in play, I think Trevor Story is going to end up being their top target. Um, I know there's other shortstops available, like a Corey Seager, or you have Carlos Correa. This is the most loaded shortstop class in, in free agent history. But I think Trevor Story is going to end up being their number one target. I could see them targeting a starting pitcher, um, but they're also going to have a lot of depth next or next year um, with Flaherty returning. Dakota Hudson should be back. Wainwright's going to be back. They have other options too. Um, but I would expect them to maybe look at trying to bring back John Lester. I was told yesterday that he really enjoyed his time in St. Louis, uh, so I wouldn't rule anything out there. Although I would imagine that would be a later in the offseason kind of a deal. Um, but I would imagine Trevor Story and upgrading shortstop over Paul DeYoung um, 
would be the number one priority by a long, by a, a pretty wide margin here. Robert, what are we talking about when when you mentioned Trevor Story? He, he did not have his best year this season. What kind of a deal do you think he's going to be looking for going into the off season? And maybe as a follow up to that, what kind of a deal will he actually get? Not necessarily what's he going to be looking for. Yeah, I've been trying to figure this one out for basically the last month or so. I can see the argument for him signing a deal kind of like a Marcus Simeon where it was one year for about 19 or so million dollars just so he can establish his value and then hit the market again when the free agent class is going to be much less loaded. Um, but I think it's going to end up being a multi-year deal along the lines of three years, and I'll say $18 million or so a year um, wow. in, that, in that ballpark. So like it's that's obviously a pretty hefty contract but not being able or not signing him for five or six years i think would absolutely be ideal for the cardinals and something they'd be willing to do um but when you look at him like there's a lot of different factors here that um that contributed into this season is one he expected to be traded at the deadline and that obviously did not happen and he was not happy i could phrase that a lot stronger uh if if, if i if i was able to do that but um and and not being in a winning environment in Colorado after they trade Noah Arenado, I mean that plays a huge factor as a competitor. And being able to reunite with Arenado in St. Louis, who's one of his really close friends, I think would end up resulting in a bounce back season. And being in that winning environment, no less, like, I, I think it makes too much sense for the Cardinals not to explore. And I, I fully expect them to to explore until the very end. How about a guy like Kyle Schwarber? How, how much money do you think he gets, or is he going to be one of these guys who just bounces year after year, and whoever needs him, kind of the hired gun, and bring him on in? Yeah, I think he's going to end up getting a multi-year deal as well, and that's going to end up being probably in the neighborhood of about 15 or so million a year is my guess. Um, and if there's a designated hitter in the National League, I fully expect that deal to happen and like, I wouldn't even rule out the Brewers in that case. Like the Brewers had interest in Schwarber last year, but it didn't it didn't happen just because the, the no DH thing and doesn't have a clear fit in the National League. Um, but yeah, I, I could absolutely see the Cardinals being interested there. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense for them if they don't end up landing a guy like Story. It would be one or the other. It wouldn't be both, but. Uh, Schwarber, I could absolutely see making sense. Robert Murray of Fansided joining us here on 101 ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at by Robert Murray. Robert, I know you have a lot of experience up in Milwaukee, having covered the Brewers. We were talking about them at our first segment as well. What do you see their plan being going into this offseason? They've they, they finally have the Christian Yelich extension kicking in. It, it doesn't look like they have a whole lot of financial flexibility. Do you think that's going to impact the future of Hater? And what do you expect them to be uh, active in in terms of the market this offseason? Yeah, like I mentioned Schwarber before. I could I could absolutely see them being in play for him if obviously El Garcia does opt out of his contract like many expect. Um, but they're going to be pretty limited in what they're able to do. And you mentioned Hater. That there's some stuff happening behind the scenes there that has not come to the public eye. Like, I, I, I don't think this is the winter they part ways. I would expect them to go for one last shot with this current roster or the current core, I should say. Um, but I, I think haters time in Milwaukee is running out. Um, and I would fully expect that market to be extremely active for him, considering he's the best reliever in baseball, in my opinion. Um, but from a, a financial standpoint, they're pretty limited. I don't expect them to be after those top guys in free agency. Um, but I, I expect them to contend next season, but I, I feel like their best chance to win 
at all was this year because they have all these guys under contract on cheap deals. And um, yeah, it's, they'll be fine next year, but going forward, I have, I have some concerns. How about Max Scherzer, St. Louis kid, uh, always interest with him, 37, a lot of mileage, but yet has stayed relatively healthy his entire career. He'll be a free agent. Where do you, where do you think he winds up? I don't, I don't think he leaves the Dodgers. I, I think he stays there. He's happy there. Um, and he's got, he's going to have a chance to win a World Series every year with that with that core that they have because that's a core like we haven't seen in baseball history. I, I would imagine he's going to end up getting interest from the Giants, maybe the Padres. Although I don't know what they're going to be able to do this winter, um, considering they ended up going all in on this season to not even make the playoffs and go under 500. The Giants, uh, as I mentioned, the, the Angels could make sense, but um, that's going to be probably the richest deal, at least on a average annual value um, in baseball history. And he's deserved it, and I would fully expect that to come in in L.A. Robert, when you look at the Padres, you you mentioned them. What do you expect them to do with the managerial opening? Have you heard any candidates that have emerged that make sense in your mind? Yeah, they're going to cast a pretty wide net here from what I can understand. Uh, Ron Washington told me in Milwaukee that he actually, like, he would like the job. And he thinks he's qualified and can get them over the hump. And I've, I've heard he's on their list. Um, they have other guys like Bruce Bochy, uh, Buck Walter on their list. They have also, I've heard Mark Kotze connected to them. Um, but I don't know if they can end up going with a first-time manager again, just because they have not had success with Tingler um, and Andy Green with, with A.J. Preller. I, I, I fully expect them at the end of the day to hire somebody who's been experienced and is a, a second-time manager. Um, and... I, I just I think AJ Preller has to get this hire right, and if he doesn't, it's going to end up costing him his job. And um, and it, it's it's probably the most important hire of AJ Preller's tenure with the Padres. If Albert Pujols decides to play next year, is there when you talk to executives around baseball, is there an appetite to say, sure, we got a spot? You know, we, we'd like him coming off the bench against a lefty or maybe a DH at times. Is there an appetite mm-hmm. out there for Albert Pujols? I think there is, as long as there's a designated hitter in both the AL and the NL. And if there is, I would not rule out a return to St. Louis. They explored it during the season, but like there was not a clear fit for him on the roster just because there was not a DH. But I wouldn't expect him to start, obviously, because they have Paul Goldschmidt at first base. But having Pujols come off the bench against the left-hander, um, when, which is something that he's arrived at this season for the Dodgers. I, I could see a market being pretty active for him there um, later in the winter. I can't, I don't imagine he would end up being a guy to sign right away. Um, but I would imagine if there's a universal DH, there's going to be a pretty decent market for pools as a bench bat, especially against left-handers. And I would expect the Cardinals to be in, in that run. Robert, one of the other guys that I've been fascinated by, and I, I just don't know what the market's going to look like for him, is Michael Conforto. He's been a really good player throughout his career, a lefty bat that's been yep. in the outfield. I, I don't. He did not have a very good season this year, and he's still relatively young. What do you expect the market to look like for a player like Conforto, especially if there is a DH in the National League? Yeah, that one's complicated. I think that might be one of the more complicated ones of the offseason. And there's a lot of people who felt that Conforto should have signed an extension with the Mets before the season or even before that. And his agent, Scott Boris, like was not able to complete the deal um, for whatever reason. Um, I, I think he'll have a strong market just in the fact that 
he's a really talented player, a young player who's got a track record of, of performing at the major league level. But I would expect it to be limited in the fact that they're not going to be able to, or they're not going to be willing to offer him the years and the money that uh, he previously sought. So like, he should be able to land a, a lucrative deal, but not as lucrative as, as he once might have thought. I think it's going to be fascinating in the off season uh, when we hit December 1st. And if there is no uh, CBA in place, what what are you hearing? And, you know, when you get into postseason play, the commissioner's around, you get other people around that um, maybe some stuff comes out because they have been meeting behind the scenes. What are you hearing right now with the CBA? Yeah, there's not a lot of optimism. There's uh, There's a lot of people who think a lockout is eventually going to happen. Uh, like I've heard the term strike thrown around, but like th- that won't happen. Um, if it, if anything happens, it'll be a lockout. Um, I, I can't imagine there's not going to be baseball next season. I think that is an idea that's, I, I, I just can't see it happening. Um, but a lockout, at least temporarily, I can see happening. And like eventually a deal is going to happen, but it may not happen right away. And obviously there's going to be public panic, but, um, at the end of the day, there should be baseball next season, and um, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident about that. So do you think then, let's say the World Series ends and free agency is opened up, and uh, you think most teams just say, absolutely not, we're kind of closed for business right now. We, we do know the direction we want to go in to improve our club, but we're not yep. doing anything prior to a CBA. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I think there's going to be a lot of questions for these teams that need to be answered before they can spend big money on these on these big name players. Um, but as soon as a deal is reached, or even okay, let's say before a deal is reached, I would expect lesser tier players to sign. Um, but until a deal for a CBA is reached, I would expect the, the big name players to remain on the market just because of all the concerns ownership and these front offices are going to have. Um, it's an off season of uncertainty. It feels like we can say that every winter. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's especially true this year. Robert, final question that I have for you here. It, when it comes to the CBA, how much do you expect, if at all, it to change the rookie entry-level contracts? Because that's something that we talk so much about, the cheap deals that the Cardinals have, that a lot of these teams have with the pre-arb and the arbitration process. Uh, from what you've heard, how much do you expect that process to change, if at all, in this new CBA? Yeah, that's a great question, and that's that's something that's going to be a priority for the the players' association because they want to have these players fairly compensated. And you can even go back to uh, when these guys are drafted. We heard Steve Cohen say that these guys are basically signing for pennies on the dollar for what they're actually valued at, um, and it's something these teams have taken advantage of. And the players' association is going to be adamant about that getting changed. Maybe they don't get to the exact value that that they're hoping for, but they have to get it better and they understand that. Um, and I would expect that to be one of their many priorities, if not their top priority. Hey, Robert, uh, thanks for hopping on. Love your work. And uh, again, everybody follow him. Robert Murray, baseball insider from Fansided. Great stuff. We appreciate it so much. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. That's uh, Robert Murray and interesting stuff. And that's, what we're going to be talking about a lot when you consider what's happening right now with Major League Baseball from the local perspective, Cardinals are out. So you start thinking, okay, Cardinals out. How do you improve? And that makes it, I, I love the hot stove. I hope we have it. We will have it. It may be a sprint. A bit. It may be a sprint once we get it going. But uh, again, I man, I just, I hope they get something done before December 1st. I, the hopeful, um, 
what, what's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, optimistic. Thank you. you. The optimistic side in me is coming out, going, "Yeah, they're going to do this. They got to do it. Can't have what happened during COVID." But you know, then there's the realistic side of it too. Yeah, it's the money side. That, yeah, that's yeah. the side that you end up being like, "Oh yeah, this is all about the money, and yeah. these people are billionaires, and they're fighting with other millionaires, and that ends up typically leading to some disagreements." I thought the most interesting thing there from Robert was. His projection on a potential salary or a contract for Trevor Story. 18 million per, sign me up. Listen, if, if you're talking about a three to four year deal worth anything under $20 million or even exceeding $20 million, honestly, yes. Like, so where do we sign the dotted line right now? The only question that I have about a potential deal for any of these shortstops is just the term. It's seven, eight, nine, ten, ten years. That's been the issue for the Cardinals. If you're talking about a deal that's more similar to what they got Paul Goldschmidt for than what they got Nolan Arenado for, oh, hell yeah. That, that is something that this team should and I believe will be very interested in. You have three more hours coming up with Alex. What do you got? We do indeed. We're going to start things off talking about the Brewers last night and what, what we make of their season and what we make of them moving forward in this NL Central. I also want to talk to Alex about some comments that I heard over the last few days from both Mike Schilt and John Mosellock. It seems to me, Dan, like this is a team that's going to be focusing on the pitching every bit as much as they are the position player side. We'll talk about that. We'll hear from Mo, hear from Mike Schilt, and a great quote from Adam Wainwright on the broadcast last night. That's all coming up from 11 to 2. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.